Well, hello. It's Dan Clarkson podcast. You know the introductions by now. You know, you know I sometimes say big long introductions about whitewater kayaking and COVID times and being in Snowdonia and all that stuff. And sometimes I talk about the fact that this podcast is not affiliated to any brand in any way, shape or form. Well, that's still the case. It's not. And the only money I get from this is from people that listen. Because, believe it or not, it does actually cost money to host a podcast. So I've got a buy me a coffee scheme. And some people know that I drink a lot of coffee, but I don't have one on the go today. But people can buy me a coffee. A couple of quid if you enjoy the podcast, and that's cool. People are buying me them cyber, cyber coffees, and I'm spending the money on coffees when I go paddling. That's very nice. And other people are giving me a coffee when they see me, and that's really nice as well. So if you want to buy me a coffee, there's a link somewhere that you can do it online. And if you don't want to buy me a coffee, you want to listen to this podcast, it's also absolutely fine. What are we talking about today? Well, we can talk about the bad audio, because I'm still using not the microphone that I got sent, because it's in a box. But that's all right. And we could talk about the fun and the games that I've been having on the D. Kayaking with the canoe club that taught me to kayak. And watching youngsters, teens and pre-teens, paddling rapids bigger than their heads. Waves crashing over them as they ricochet around. We could talk about that. And the challenges they face in the modern world where each ferry glide they make is sort of tied to some ideal of kayaking that they've seen online. You know, the poor paddlers that are making big class fives look easy, yet they wobble on class two. But I'm not going to talk about that. I could talk about the ease of which we can do a flat spin in a pocket hole and spin round and round forever. But I'm not. I could talk about my love for the Eskimo Topo. Or the fact that I paddled a Scorch X this weekend, which is huge and bigger than Noah's Ark. But I'm not going to do that either. What I'm going to talk about is a kind of mindfulness of kayaking. And I'm not talking some Vipassana or Thich Nhat Hanh Plum Village style meditation here. I'm talking about that sort of essence, the jouissance, to use a Lacanian term, or the magical bijou, if I've got the pronunciation right, where the kayaking takes you in your mind. When we get in our boats, there's a lot of chatter, isn't there? Not just internally. But externally, there's people dragging boats and talking and people yelping and screaming and all, all the commotion that goes with it. It's quite hard to settle ourselves as we see a launch out of that, uh, that first bank, if we see a launching in. And we make our first tentative moves out of an eddy and into the flow. How can we centre ourselves there? What can we do to 
to be mindful of the fact that we're now entering that flow. And like I say, I'm not talking about the Vipassana meditation and the in and the out breath, how the oxygen goes in and out and tickles the nostrils and the back of the nose and you feel it in your throat as you expel the air. Don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the mindfulness of that boat gliding onto the first eddy. The way that the ripples of that eddy, however small, rock and roll. How you automatically balance, or not. How sometimes you wobble when your nose catches that eddy line and you're not prepared. Or your tail catches when you are prepared and you put that little upstream brace in. How your body does it instinctively over time. But when you knew it doesn't, does it? When you're new to the eddy and the flow and you weeble and you wobble. Perhaps you're tense, tense from the lower spine through your legs. Can you feel that tension in your toes or a tight calf muscle? Climbers, when they get tense, they have like a disco leg sensation, like an Elvis leg. Kayakers can get the same kind of thing. And it's hard sometimes to get rid of that. But if we acknowledge it, then we're almost there. We acknowledge that perhaps we're not as relaxed as we should be. But we can look over as that gleaming water with the sun reflecting off it and the water droplets sending prisms of light. That's a beautiful thing. And we set off out of that first eddy to ferried light to the far bank so we can get a view of the first rapid we'll be running. Instinctively, perhaps, we edge our boat so the water passes underneath, putting pressure on the knee in the thigh brace. We can feel that evolution of that boat design, whether we know it or not. And that boat maybe skips and slides out of the ready quicker than we expect. And we adjust our weight fore and aft. <coughs> Excuse me. And then we pause again as we shift our weight and we shift our balance and we pause in the eddy and wait for that first rapid looking down onto the horizon line. Are we mindful? Not of the rapid, but of that rock on the bank. The rock where that little bird only moments earlier was sitting and chirping away. The sun behind us now, illuminating the river. Can we see the madness of the holes 
rolling out in front of us. Do we notice a nice green tongue that threads intricately between these holes? We do, don't we? We can put aside the folly of those holes and the madness of the whiteness. And we can focus our attention on that green tongue. That's where we need to be. It's like the magic carpet ride that we're going to take. And I'm not saying here that we have to pause our breath. Because although it's mindful, we don't have to centre ourselves in that way. We can centre ourselves knowing that two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight strokes, whatever, will take us to that magical tongue of water and lead us through into paradise of the eddy below, avoiding the crazy whiteness. If we centre ourselves on the crazy whiteness, we'll end up in that crazy whiteness. It's not where we need to be. But a pause is good. The heart may be racing. And it's okay for it to race. Lots of people have racing hearts when they paddle. It's one of the reasons lots of people paddle. And we make the eddy below. That's fine. Did we notice that lots of the moves we did were instinctive? We edged our boat left and right. We moved forward and back. Moving our weight from the front of the boat to the back of the boat. When we were slightly offline, that wave hit us in our chest and it forced us back in our seats. And we know next time we might correct that. And we pause again and we count heads from people in our group, knowing that the four people we paddle with are all safe. There's distractions from another group who are shouting and yahooing because somebody's done a cartwheel or a long serve. Or some beginner paddle has made their first tentative whitewater row. And these are beautiful things. But they can be distracting. It's okay to be distracted, isn't it? It's okay to be distracted by others and the smiles of others. And the influence of others. Providing we can centre ourselves and it doesn't distract from our purpose that day. And in this eddy that we now sit, with all the madness of the rapid just below us and just above us, sat in the calm between two devils, one of which we've managed to take that magical tongue. And we can see below that there's another calm spot, another wave train. And we continue again, concentrating on the ebb and flow. Perhaps we surf a wave before we go down the next rapid. Moving our boat to dance with the flowing water. Water that is and was and the future water that will never be the same. As the saying goes, a man can.
cannot paddle the same river twice because it's not the same river and it's not the same man and as we surf that wave and the water flies under our hull both past and present simultaneously the future water now gone but more future water arriving and our boat skips and dances perhaps we see a rainbow arc from the water droplets bouncing off the nose of our boat our hips glide left glide right our fingers round the carbon shaft we hold how does that shaft feel in our hands does the grit on the shaft from the putting still exist does it irritate between the thumb and the first finger we carve left we carve right we carve right again using the force of the water on the back of our blade we feel tension in our forearm and our hips before we snap it back again mindful of that very move of the very essence of that move of the interplay between the forces of our body and the river's forces and the river does not care a damn about what boat we're in the river does not care what paddle we are using to anthropomorphize the river perhaps helps us a little helps us to appreciate what's happening the dance we're making with nature to paraphrase jim snyder and if you've not read squirt burton and beyond perhaps you should order it on amazon and we surf left and right the pressure on our feet now on our foot blocks our hips scooting <laughs> mindful mindful of that carbon shaft those glass blades can we feel through our blade the vibration of the floor as it runs down the shaft and onto our fingers do we hold the shaft so tight that we cannot feel this how do we hold that shaft how do we grip our hands around that tube Do we hold it tight as if doing a pull-up on a pull-up bar at a gym? Or is it slack like holding a baby bird? For me personally, I know my last two fingers hardly touch. I know that with a slight recorrection, the blade would spin, well, the shaft would spin in my hands. I'm okay with that. And as we surf and glide, are we conscious of the way our hips are moving? Are we conscious of the way that our ab muscles, I mean, not at 45, my ab muscles at 45 are not really there. You know, they never have been. But I'm conscious of the way that the muscles that hide beneath the fat are assisting in my surfs. I'm conscious of the way that the design of the boat allows me to carve off the front left rail or the back right rail as I move my body hither and thither 
And I pray that in these words wrong, but you start getting the gist. And we can pause a little on that wave as, it's, as we skid and slide like a skimming stone on a lake before it drops into the abyss. Side surfing a stopper wave, a hole that's got names that we, we don't really like. Names of rivers that encourage us to fear them. I don't know why we do that. But as we sit and play in that hole that maybe is called the death hole or the baker. Are we conscious of that? Is it common for us to fear those names? Have we paddled rivers without names? Without named rapids that are possibly only put there for guidebook enthusiasts and rafting customers? Would we interact with that river differently? I think we would. How does your wetsuit feel when it's tight on your legs or the crinkle crackle of a dry top? You know, the rubbing between buoyancy and cag. Do you hear that when you paddle? Because you hear that when you walk around your lounge in your brand new gear. I don't know if you hear it when you paddle. Can you see that sun sparkle as it bounces off your friend's helmet, that bright red helmet sat in the eddy at the side of you? The glossy glow of the reflection. These things I don't think we often notice when we kayak. And if we're mindful, we can notice these things. Do we feel how cold the water is or how warm the air is? Do we know why? Do we paddle with a conscious effort to appreciate these things? Or are we too concerned with pushing our grades and making sure that our strokes are pristine and exact? A lot of this people can call hippy-dippy rubbish or so some sort of Star Wars, Yoda-esque, mumbo-jumbo, that's fine. It's really fine. You know? It's just something that I, I sort of think about when I paddle. Not all the time. Sometimes I'm quite happy to get on, tell rubbish strokes, laugh at people, be laughed at, make a fool of myself, show off. Paddle Rapids. Sometimes I want that inner quietness. And the inner quietness, like I say, doesn't need to come from the breath. It can come from the noticing of the things around you and the way that your body and your blades, your body said helmet, your eyes, the boat skips, the river, all those things, mindfulness can come from there. And if we do paddle in a state of mindfulness, we can have the best day ever on the easiest water. We don't need to be pushing grades. We can be content with that swirling eddy line. We can be content with that flat canal. Where that stoke just runs in front of our view. 
and to the left there's a barking dog that's just escaped the leash and run down the towpath. He's chasing that cat from next door. And the owner's going spare. <laughs> we can enjoy those things. And we can let them wash on and sort of wash on and pass away from our sort of our lifescape, as that for want of a better word. You know, out of, our, out of our picture view and something else will come into view. We can appreciate that and we can smile. And if we don't smile and we're sad or we're nervous or we cry, because some people cry when they get stressed and nervous and full of anxiety about the rapids. And if we recognise that, that's not a bad thing. That's a brave thing. That's a brave choice. That's absolutely fine. Anyway, 20 minutes have gone. And I've just spoken about things that maybe you should consider a little. Or maybe you shouldn't. Either way, I'm okay with that. I hope we get out of paddle again soon. It's been raining in the UK. And some of the rivers have been up. And some people have not paddled rivers for quite a long time. And they're getting on rivers that are a little bit out of their comfort zones. And they're taking little swims and losing gear. So please be safe, all of you. And I'll speak to you next time. Enjoy.